Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome back. This is Sarah Poet, and I'm your host. And today we're going to hear an interview that I recorded in May with Kendra Kunoff and myself. And we're talking about the global web of women. And I'm really excited that Kendra is here. I'm going to read you her bio in just a minute, but I'm a really big fan of Kendra's work. And this topic is just feeling so relevant right now. So I'm going to chat with y'all about it. My podcast is sort of shifting into these longer intros because I record the interview a while ago. And then when I go to put it out, I re-listen to it. I get in the groove of it. And then I want to talk to you all. So the last few weeks, I've been um, just saying hello in a little bit of a longer way in the beginning. So that's what's happening. I hope that it serves. How are you? Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast. Thank you for coming into the Sacred Remembering Facebook group. Um, You all are really showing up and the numbers for the podcast are growing. It's really exciting to see that during these times, we are remembering who we are. And the Sacred Remembering podcast is for modern women waking up to the truth of who we are. And today we're talking about doing that in reflection of other women. And this is so important. And just from the depths of my heart, I hope that every woman listening has, you know, at least one woman that you can really confide in, that you can really be close to. And if you don't right now, I think part of the hope that is presented in this interview is that it is out there, you know, and maybe you are the way shower. Maybe you are that woman who steps out and says, Hey, I need a community. Let's form one. So it's so, so, so powerful. Um, and I recently got, you know, another just glorious taste of that in my life this week. Um, actually I want to shout someone out, one of my closest sister friends, soul sisters, Jamie Flares. So, um, okay. So let me back up this week. My daughter who I talk about in episode one, and I talk about my story 
of being a birth mother and uh, placing a child for adoption into an open adoption. I talk about that um, on previous episodes. I also talk about it in my TEDx. Uh, But she turned 20 this week. 20. Holy shit. Um, And, you know, every year I block that day on the calendar. And then some years it's like really emotional or a certain thing comes up. Last year, I was fine. And this year, I just really felt that something was coming, that something was um, unburdening, working its way out uh, on this soul journey. And it turned out that I needed to really spend some time with that 19-year-old self um, who really felt herself very unworthy to, um, to keep the baby, you know? And so that was this week. And as we, as I was like preparing for this, um, a few sisters like stepped right in and, um, and, and my web of women, um, caught me and I'm still almost like not used to receiving that in my nervous system. Um, but Jamie Flara, she was on the podcast, I think it was episode five originally, like way back a few months ago. And um, her website is Sacred Heart Healing Arts. But Jamie gifted me a sound channeling, okay, a sound channeling. It is a sound healing, um, but she's channeling my guide's for me coming through in this beautiful sound and song. And I'm sitting there and I'm having this healing process. And I quite literally had a soul retrieval of this 19 year old self while Jamie is singing these songs to me. But here's how I could best describe this. She was, it was like she was singing my soul song to me. What? So like when she was singing, I thought this song is me. Like these sounds are me. So um, what a gift. One of the most amazing experiences of my life and such a gift. I felt so much better after that happened. But, um, you know, an example of a woman being a part of that web, such a gracious part of that web. And um, I definitely wanted to encourage you all to check out Jamie's Sound Healings, uh, sacredhearthealingarts.com. So, ah, yeah, women's circles, women's webs. Uh, the, The first round in 2020 of the Sacred Truth Mastermind has concluded. That was so powerful. The second round is starting August 19th. Um, We're going to talk about that in this episode a little bit about what that mastermind is about and the power of women seeing other women. Also, the guest today, Kendra Kunoff, has uh, a membership program for women, so be sure to check out KendraKunoff.com. And, um, if you're interested in the mastermind, you know, you have a couple of weeks here, so you can go to sarahpoet.com and schedule a consult. Um, it is like a deep dive. It is a six month deep dive and you experience the truth of who you are and you experience that in reflection of other women. 
excuse me, sorry to clear my throat in the podcast. Um, but it's one of the most powerful things because right now we're really coming into a really sacred time as women and really overcoming a lot of old programming. Kendra and I are going to talk about that in the podcast today too. Uh, a lot of old programming that keeps women separate from one another, keeps women in competition with one another. But what we're finding now in groups like Kendra's Web of Women, in groups like the Sacred Truth Mastermind, is that there is a certain alchemy inside of these women's groups, inside of these sacred circles Um, there is a certain alchemy. I'm talking about actual magic that happens when you come together as women, when we come together as women, when we allow others to see us, when we begin to speak our truths to one another, with one another, And when we start to notice and track the sacred, okay, because women together are, it's such a powerful force, maybe the most powerful force on the planet, I think. Um, I'm standing by that right now. It's, It's the most powerful magic that I am experiencing in my life right now. Um, And I really want women to experience this. I just want women to experience this so deeply um, because we have been indoctrinated, ingrained um, into a certain competition. You know, I saw this on my Facebook page this week. There was a picture of a woman that hit the news. She was wearing um, a hat and a mask, so you couldn't, she was not identifiable, but she sat naked in front of armed, you know, federal officers in the city of Portland. Now, I wasn't there, you know, I'm just seeing the picture, but she spread her legs in front of the officers. And I put this picture on my Facebook feed without any caption or explanation. And I just kind of wanted to see what happened. And what happened was actually a lot of, you know, women defending men, like talking about the trauma that men were experiencing for this woman having done this. Um, And then a whole lot of, um, competition around uh, among the women and just being very, very like degrading, degrading comments, judgmental comments. I've never like, it's been a while since I've seen anything like that. And so we really have to, in in my opinion and judgment here, we really need to take actions and steps toward consciously coming together as women, relying on the co-creation that can happen when we are in these very close groups of women um, and really change the rhetoric around this. I mean, there's just so much healing that is uh, 
potential here. So I am going to introduce Kendra to you, and then we are going to get to the interview. Thank you for being here. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate the podcast, leave a review, share with a friend. Um, and we are in the Sacred Remembering Facebook group. If you would like to continue any conversations or bring up any points that arose for you out of this podcast. So I hope you enjoy. I definitely enjoyed the conversation with Kendra and um, here's her bio. Founder of The Collective, a global web of women devoted to embodied wholeness, Kendra Kunath has been studying, facilitating, and practicing authentic relating, embodiment practices, and deep intimacy work for over 15 years. Kendra has worked with thousands of men, women, and couples in the areas of embodiment, intimacy, communication, and full self-expression. She has co-founded the Authentic World and Fierce Grace programs, as well as the Embodied Relationship Training Salon with John Wineland. And she's pioneered some of the most cutting-edge relational work on the planet. She works with organizations and leaders, as well as men, women, and couples who know that embodied presence, truth, connection, and integrity are our truest access points to success, both in business and in love. Hey, Kendra, welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, I, I've been a fan of your work for some time. And so I, I, I'm just super grateful for the opportunity to chat with you. And, um, when we were exchanging some emails before the recording, uh, you had talked about this collective web of women that, um, that you've been working with. And, you mentioned something about the mistrust among women that we carry as a collective and mm. it's kind of been passed on to us. And that really, really sparked um, interest in me because we haven't talked about that very much on this podcast, but it is something that I think all women know about. Um, we struggle with. Um, and so I'm really excited to, to go there with you. Thank you. I wonder if you want to start by telling us a little bit about your current work in that area. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things I'd like to say. So a lot of my work these days is exclusively with women, although not entirely. And it's been, it's been really beautiful actually to have some male one-on-one clients. I'm like, Oh, I love men. (laughs) (laughs) Good to remember. Um, (laughs) And I love, like, I love doing this work with them. And then you and I were talking about before, you know, there's this really powerful work. I think that's both in terms of heterosexual relationships between men and women, you know, with intimacy, but also the masculine and the feminine and men and women, regardless of sexual orientation, like that's really powerful work in the world right now. Yeah. And uh, I think part of the reason that so much of my work is exclusively with women and almost exclusively in groups is because of what 
you're bringing up here, which is the importance actually of women coming together and exploring and expressing and bringing vulnerability together Mm -hmm. and not just doing like, Oh, I do my solo work, you know, for my relationship or for my life, or I, you know, I do that in private, but that there's actually something that's so important. And um, I mean, absolutely transformational for the individual to do that work in a community of women. But I, when I think about that web or the way the work actually then transforms the world to use somewhat of a cliche term, to me, that really happens when groups of women get together. I love this. I I love breaking this down with you. And I do, it might be cliche, but it's totally true. (laughs) This is how we transform the world. Um, And I think back to my own journey of sacred remembering and, and like when I had my son and he's 11 now, um, you know, I birthed without other women present. I had an infant without other women present. And then when I really kind of had my awakening when he was a toddler, that was a solo journey. And so thank you for reminding me because, you know, in my women's groups that I have now and it's really where a lot of my work is going as well. I love the alchemy that's happening in women's groups, but I think we do a lot of the beginning stages of remembering mm. often solo. I don't know if that feels true to you. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would be so curious again to have like a whole group of women <laughs> that we could pull <laughs> and, and sort of pull and also hear those individual stories. Like what were those moments of awakening? You know, where were they solo? Where were they in community and wh- where have awakenings happened with other women? Um, one of the, one of the things I love about working with groups of women and, and I see this in in a really deep way when I get smaller groups. So you mentioned the collective capital T capital C, and that's a large group, like a global web of women that I work with. And then I run smaller groups. Like right now I have a small group called the fierce grace incubator. And I remember two years ago in particular, I was running Fierce Grace. And I think there were 10 women. And there were two women in particular who did not like each other. <laughs> they, they were sending me private, private messages about each other and like, you know, and all these things. And I just knew, you know, I was like, you don't have to like each other. That's actually totally fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to become friends you know, but whatever this is and whatever this woman is sparking in you, whatever that woman is sparking in, or she, you're sparking in her and, and however intense this is, like there is something powerful. And now I see them, like they post on each other's posts on Facebook and they're like, like they support each other. I'm like, they actually do like each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And to me that, that, um, that process of, you know, again, a kind of a cliche term, but like being triggered by or whatever those parts are that rise up. Like, I do not like that about her. It's not okay to act like that. Or it's not okay to be that kind of woman or this, you know, this behavior is unacceptable or, um, 
whatever those things are, I think they're, they're distinct for each of us. Like, oh, that's too needy or taking up too much space or too loud or too dramatic or too emotional or too flighty or too, you know, irresponsible or like, these are all these things where it's just like, that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and then to, to walk through that, not by repressing, not by just going like, I guess it is okay. You know, I guess I can learn to like that or something, but like actually walking through the fire of, of, of being with that with another woman is really powerful. Absolutely. So how do you think we got like this? Why, why are we sometimes harder on other women than maybe we are on men Mm. or, you know, and, and it probably has something to do with our relationship to ourselves, but why is there this historical tension between women? Mm. God, I think that's a great question and it's huge. So big. I ask yes. really big questions. <laughs> yeah, which is which is great. I mean, I, I mostly I say that to go like, well, I'm sure we're not going to name sure. every facet of that. Um, and I, I would even start by like anyone that's listening, including you and I, right? I'm yeah. like, oh, this is a great question just to go. So where, where or why is that for me? Yeah. Um, both in the larger historical cultural context and then also as an individual woman. Um, That's what I was kind of doing when I asked the question. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely, um, we, we pick this up, but it it is such a big reason why we pick it up or like the, the cultural reasons why we pick it up. And so I'm wondering, I guess from your experience and working with, groups of women and, and looking at the collective, what, what do you think pins women against one another? Well, I think there is, you know, I mean, to, there are actual, not maybe intentional, but external forces that go like, let's pit women in competition to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, if we sort of, it's, it's such an interesting thing if we make like the man, the prize, mm-hmm. the relationship, the man, the husband, the baby, the house, like if that's sort of all the prize, then it's like, well, who's going to get it, mm-hmm. you know? And what, and, and I think there is, there is some overarching and I'm sure that it shifts between different cultures all around the world. But I also think there is a way that that lives in many cultures across the globe. Yeah, that that's sort of pitted as the heteronormative prize. And then in that way, we're in competition for that prize. I don't think that's reality. But I do think it can feel that way. Yeah, consciously and unconsciously. Yeah. And then, you know, whether it's inside of that, or whether it's uh, a separate piece. I also I think there really is this sense that um like women aren't to be trusted. Mm. And I, I, not every human being feels this way, but I, I see it kind of, again, globally. Like it's not just women don't trust women or just men don't trust women or just sort of like people don't trust women. Yeah. And some of that I think is actually a misunderstanding of what it is to be trustable. And mm. defining, um, I did a piece a while back that was, it was a little bit inflammatory, uh, that said feminine integrity doesn't exist. 
And, you know, and I was, was, you know, we can link it in the show notes or whatever people want to read Mm -hmm. that specifically. But um, it was really around distinguishing too. And like, I'm not saying like women don't have integrity, but the feminine in the mm, most archetypical sense is not going to be committed to do what it says it will do. Because mm-hmm. that is the, not the most valuable thing to the feminine. The feminine will follow the flow of love or the flow of life or devotion, um, which in a way I would name as a, as a deeper form of integrity, especially mm-hmm. for the feminine, right? Devotion, like what am I deeply, deeply devoted to? Not like what am I committed to or what did I say I was going to do? But culturally, we value masculine integrity. Yeah. And so if women don't play by those rules, we're not trustable. Mm. That's, that's really insightful. Thank you for that. Um, so what's coming up for me right now is uh, something I'm living through. So I just moved in with my partner and my male partner, and we're navigating the feminine and masculine so closely, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. And feminine emotions, right? Like the nature of the feminine and how we historically have related to those things. So he's got stuff coming up about like, well, the feminine in my mother meant I needed to take care of her emotions. And, you know, I have stuff coming up like, well, the feminine in me, historically, I would try to tuck some of those things away. So, the living in the devotion to that, you're totally just perked my interest and my ears around that because living in devotion to my feminine being in its fullest expression is some of the, it's lifelong work. It's a lifelong, it's, it's so up, but going back to what we're talking about, if I had not walked at this walk of like deeply reclaiming the feminine and doing this inside of women's circles and even having the women's circles to go to now and be like, okay, wow, you know, look how I want to hide parts of myself right now and tuck this really uncomfortable feminine thing away, (laughs) um, to, you know, to preserve the, um, I don't know, uh, it's like to prevent undulation in the energies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that like that devotion to the feminine and then, and then standing in it, um, it's courageous and it, and it takes some real hmm, practice. Yeah. And I, I really love what you said in the sense that that's, it's a lifelong practice. Because I think like so many things, it's not just something, oh, I understand it and then I practice it and then I get it and then I've arrived and I just always do that. And then ta-da, you know, Yeah. (laughs) and that there's like, oh, you know, here I'm gesturing towards that. And oh, look, I forgot. And oh, look, I remembered again. And oh, I have another moment to step back on that path. One of my, um, I think I actually referred her to you, but a dear friend and colleague named Amy Harris likes to say, God loves to remember. And oh. so in every moment that we forget rather than like, oh, fuck, like I forgot, you know, flagellate, 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 should have remembered all the time is that is holding that in this context that actually God loves to remember. And that's why we forget. Mm. 
<laughs> it was like my so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for that. Oh, yes, this sacred remembering is um yeah, it's nothing to be shameful of. Yeah, we're like always remembering. Well, and isn't that beautiful? Actually, I hadn't thought of this, but then yeah, that idea, it's not like, oh, we remember and then we just remember forever. Yes. But the, the sacred remembering itself is like an ongoing cycle. And that in and of itself is sacred and beautiful and to be celebrated. Yeah. Oh, so juicy. Thank you. So you have a group called The Collective and it's it's a membership program, correct? For mm-hmm. women all over the world. Great. Um, so what what prompted you to start that and what excites you about what's happening there? Mm. Yeah. So I had this, um, I'll take a little bit of a, a tangent to get there, but last year, um, in, so it would have been 2019 and it was like in February, I think it just started coming to me that I, I wasn't going to lead my fierce grace program that year. And that's all that came. Mm. And it's, I love it when new ideas come, like you're meant to do this. I'm like, yes, now I know what to, you know, there's a path, but all that was coming was you're not meant to do this. Mm. Um, this is not happening this year. This is, and, and it was really hard to just sit in the absence of something or the removal of something without something else to fill it or without knowing where I was going. And my team had actually been um, encouraging me to start a membership probably for the last two or three years. They were like, this is, you know, we should definitely do this, do this. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. It didn't feel right. I couldn't, couldn't see like where that was beneficial really Um, or how to serve in that way. And then, so I gave myself basically this two month period when it became really clear that I wasn't going to be offering fierce grace, but without knowing what I was going to do, I was like, okay, I made a declaration with myself and my team that I actually wasn't doing that. We weren't going to market that. I wasn't going to enroll for it. And that I was giving myself basically two months to just have no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And it's then at some point I needed to make a decision. And I was sitting in um, this meadow up near Mount Shasta on this land that I go to every year. And for the last couple of years, I've been bringing a group of women up there for a retreat called Return to Source. And this was the, it was the first Return to Source. And um, there are these wildflowers everywhere. And it was just like this gorgeous day. And I was just laying in that meadow. And I actually saw the web. Mm. And that was the first time that I could imagine why, like why a membership, why I would offer something like that. And I was like, yes, it was a, and the, the words that came with it were a global web of women devoted to embodied wholeness. Mm -hmm. But it was the image of the web itself and for me, that image, that archetype, like that medicine has um, many, many pieces, but I would say two main ones. And one is there's um, an idea in Buddhism called Indra's net, mm. and it's like a spider web 
and on each it's like the universe is like a, an entire spider web and in each little corner where the webs meet is a jewel. And it's basically the idea of interconnectedness that we're, that we're all connected. And if you touch the web anywhere, all the little, you know, water droplets or jewels are impacted in some way. And so creating something that actually had the capacity for like the global web where, um, where we acknowledge, again, I love this with the remembering because it's not like we're creating a web. It was like we were remem- remembering or acknowledging the web that already exists between us. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, pa- sorry, just a pause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, have been, there have been spiders like, yes. everywhere this week, like on my body. I looked down in the car and there's this like big fatty spider on my leg. And I was like, okay, I'm paying attention. And then here we are. <laughs> I was like looking up spider medicine. I'm like, what is this about? And here we are <laughs> at the yes. end of the week talking about this web. I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, so that's the second piece. Like to me, that first piece is um, the remembering that we are already connected and that there actually already is this web. And it's just, can we remember it? Can we tap into it? Can we acknowledge it? You know, magnify it, actually embody that it exists. And then it's not totally separate, but connected to that is then spider medicine. And to me, that's really grandmother medicine. Mm. And um, to acknowledge the web already exists, but we are weaving it and that we're not weaving it for just for ourselves that we like from the perspective of grandmother, we're weaving it for those to come. Yeah. Beautiful. And to really, you know, without like not making it some big weighty should, you know, or (laughs) uh, moral obligation, but to really recognize like, Oh, every gesture that I make, it, it has an impact for those to come. Those that are already here, like your son, my children, and those that are coming. And can we, as women, especially gesture from that perspective? Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. So there's so much alchemy that happens between women. Like, I think I'm saying this for women who may be listening and don't have that experience of like a deep women's group or or the permission to be themselves inside of a women's group or they haven't found that yet or, or whatever, but there's such a, a beautiful and natural alchemy inside of that web mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you were talking about those two women who had found something in one another that was like sparking a seeming aversion earlier. And, and now they talk to one another and they're friends. And, and I was thinking, yeah, that there, because there was something that they needed to learn from each other, the medicine that they needed is inside of each other. Um, mm-hmm. There's that alchemy among women. Do you find? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, you know, in a way it's humbling, I think as a teacher, mm-hmm. um, but it's also, it's all I've ever wanted with the collective is that it truly be a community. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I hold the space and I'm offer the, calls and et cetera, et cetera. But especially during this time with this pandemic, um, 
I really got to witness, I would see women showing up in the community forum and before I ever had a chance to see it or respond or bring something in, you know, 10 other women would have responded with the perfect thing. And I was truly witnessing women be supported in the ways that they needed to be, Um, you know, both showing up and having it be maybe the only place that they felt they could say, like, I fucking hate distance learning, you know, I want to throw the Chromebook across the room, this (laughs) sucks, you know, or I'm so frustrated with my child, Um, all the way to having, like, sexual awakenings with the sunshine, Kind of, you know, and, and this being the kind of place that could actually hold all that and where mm-hmm. they, they could share things like this and have women come in and go like, that's amazing. I want to hear more or yes, I feel you or, you know, just stomp around and say, fuck that together or celebrate. And, you know, a woman had a grandchild during that time, like so many different pieces. Yeah. And just profound to see the way that, again, like across the globe, and that it just gives me chills every time where I'm like, yes, we truly are interconnected in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that deep mission to be all of, all of the woman. I have a mastermind that I call the sacred truth mastermind. It's like the sacred truth within and we're sort of questing for the sacred truth. And, and so when women allow themselves to live as their truth, it's like, Oh my God, I never say this to anyone. Thank you for being the ones that I can say this to. And then the embodiment of that truth becomes more real through that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think both what you're saying, like the, the embodiment through bringing it forward through the actual expression and that, you know, as social beings, the being witnessed in that, even when it's virtual, like we, we know, and we can feel like, Oh, I was seen. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're held in the energetics of the web. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So would you talk about wholeness? So this is the web uh, of women. uh, How do you word it? Collect, uh, yeah, a global web of women devoted web. to embodied wholeness. So devoted to embodied wholeness. Thank you. So what what does that mean to you? And is is what we're talking about the way that women come into that wholeness? Yes. Um, I. So even what you were saying, right? Like, oh, I've never said this to anyone or the wholeness, the fullness of what it is to be a woman, which is the dark and the nitty gritty and the light and the holy and the joyful and the sexual and the mothering and the partner, you know, like the connection to the earth, like just the, all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of us have um, both what I would call like true tendencies Um, I'm more connected to the earth and I know other women who are more connected to the stars Mm -hmm. and there's some, there's something true about that. And I think we all have, um, you know, kind of more, what I would call more limited habit patterns. Oh, I lean towards this expression of women and this feels more comfortable consciously or unconsciously and that one it'd be nice you know like yes I get that that's an expression of woman but it's just not really me 
Um, and, and so in, in that wholeness is including all that to be able to acknowledge like, oh, these are my innate gifts. And this is the way that I can gesture towards the parts that I, out of habit, might, um, might not include in my wholeness. And in some ways, being in the web, actually being in community with other women, not so much as a comparative thing, like, oh, my God, she dances like that. I guess that's the way, we're, you know, a woman's supposed to dance, or she looks like that, or that's what she expresses. But we can actually be inspired by each other. Like, whoa, you know, it's possible to have sex with the sunshine. Like, wow, I don't need to judge myself for never having had that experience, but I can go like, well, I, but I could. Like, that's another experience of being a woman. Or, you know, one woman loves to move an emote in this way, and another woman brings the elegance of the swan, and another woman is the playfulness of the otter. And, and, but it can be inspiring. Like, oh, I didn't actually know that that was one of the ways that I could express as a woman. Right. So instead of like a jealousy and a mistrust and a opposition there, it's almost like this divine mirroring of, of all of these different parts of a whole, of all of these different archetypes that make up the whole of, of the web. And, and then you're like, oh, I love that, that part of this web. Is that part also in me? Yeah. And what if I just tried it on? Yeah. Rather than I should be more like that. Oh, she's so beautiful. Mm. I should be more like that. Um, like, oh, but what if I just tried that on oh, I love and that. added it to my paint palette? I have, you know, like I, I so easily have access to the seductress or the, you know, dark witchy woman or the, this, but like, wow, it never even occurred to me that I could be angel and mm. flirt and, you know, like, and what if I just added that to my palette and maybe I'll never use it as much as these other colors, but now I know that I have access to it as mm-hmm. part of wholeness, um, wholeness in terms of literal bodily expression, wholeness in terms of emotional expression, wholeness in terms of energetic range, wholeness in terms of life experience, you know, just like in all the different layers that that lives. Mm -hmm. Just listening to you talk about that, it's so inviting Mm -hmm. um, in the way you're saying the word wholeness. And what's popping for me is also the implied importance of every woman allowing herself to live in her wholeness or live in her truth or however she speaks that or, Mm. or lives that because when we do that, that is how we light up the web. That's how Mm -hmm. we inspire rather than keeping ourselves small so as to not rock the boat or not be too much. I mean, this is like the antidote for, um, you know, women, women just underselling themselves on the planet, or actually it's like mistrusting the self. Mm. We were talking about, we were talking about trust earlier in terms of trusting one another, but there's a lot to be said here about trusting the self. Absolutely. I mean, I think those two are deeply interconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, And also you said something about being given permission earlier. Um, Like, that being in a, a sacred circle of women or something in that way, like, oh, you give me permission to share this here. 
And I think what you just expressed, this is how we actually give permission to each other. Mm. When I am willing to show up in my wholeness, in my, the, like the, the, my radiant success, um, in my failures, in my confusion, in my joy, in my sexuality, in my, you know, like in my anger in just in all these parts, I give other women permission to also show up in those parts of themselves. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it's such a bold move considering, <laughs> you know, how we may, how we may have been raised and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess I, I would love to ask a question. Usually I ask this in the beginning, but it's, it's just arising now. Like, how did you, did you have a path of mistrusting the self and then remembering to trust the self or anything you want to say about your path of sacred remembrance? But was this a key theme for you? Yes. Um, just pausing to kind of find some of the little pieces here. You know, in one sense, I do feel really lucky. I have, um, I have a best friend that I have known since I was a baby. Wow. And we, I mean, literally we have pictures of us at six months old crawling over each other. And, and our, you know, our parents actually, not that they dislike each other, but they're, they're not particularly close. Mm-hmm. And so I always think of it as a, 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 an act of generosity on our parents' part to, maintain, to help us maintain our friendship, even when, you know, we lived four hours apart and, and these pieces. So, so there is some place where I feel lucky that I had some piece of this that, that I think has lived with me for always. Mm-hmm. Um. In terms of remembering, remembering self-trust, remembering trust with women and, and, and then just sort of trust, full stop. Um, without going into the whole story of it, there was a point when my my son is actually almost 11 also (laughs) and when he was a newborn it was in the first year of his life and my relationship with my ex-husband was really falling apart and um I developed walking pneumonia like it was just like like everything was sort of like crumbling around me such a hard time oh my gosh yeah (laughs) within the community that I was in at that time um, and, and this isn't to say anything about this globally, but, but just to kind of give a little bit of paint, a little bit of a picture is there was a fair bit of polyamory. Part of the reason that my relationship with my ex-husband was, was not working was that there were these relationships with other women and, and there was, I had a lot of mistrust and I, I went to see a teacher of mine at that time named Sophia Diaz. And, um, and she said something to me that I, 
I still feel like I don't even fully understand it. It's more, again, one of those kind of lifelong gestures. But she said, the relationship between two women begins at the point, I don't know if she said breakdown or betrayal. She said betrayal. The relationship between two women begins at the point. It doesn't end at betrayal. It begins at betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that, that's just been this, um, it's almost like a, like a Zen koan. Like I can't, every time I try to actually understand it, I don't totally understand it, but it still lands as a piece of truth for me. Yeah. And it's something about from that time really has also been then a walking of, um, you know, at that point in terms of self-trust also, I ultimately chose to, you know, I separate from my ex-husband and I moved and in that distance there, you know, this, this is so interesting. This goes back to the very thing that you said at the beginning around um, having awakenings solo or together. Mm. And there was this way that actually I, I had forgotten this where I, you know, I went kind of in a cocoon and I needed to move away from my ex-husband, from the community that we were a part of. And I kind of did go solo to remember who I was and to be able to start to find again, to listen to what, what's not the voice of maybe that community, or it's not the voice of my family, or it wasn't the voice of what I thought my life and relationship were going to be. um, But just what was actually so, but the other thing that also happened during that time So it's like both solo and then relational. And it was very specifically with women was that I, I really allowed myself to not like cognitively choose, like make decisions about who I was going to be friends with and who I wasn't, but actually almost to feel what was genuinely already true about who I wanted to be close to. And to pay attention even when it didn't make sense. Like there were women that I just started reaching out to that I was like, we don't even really know each other that well. Mm. These aren't my longtime friends or this isn't, you know, it doesn't make sense, quote unquote, makes sense. But they were the women that I wanted to be close to. And then there were other women that I had known for a long time or where it would have made sense for me to stay in contact with them. And I just didn't want to. And it shifted the like the landscape of my life at that time really shifted the landscape of where my friendships and my community were. Mm. Mm. So thank you for sharing that story. And when I, that cone stayed with me when you said the relationship between women starts at the, at the moment of betrayal, it's almost like your relationship with women collectively Mm. began again Mm. at that point of betrayal maybe yeah it's I mean I think that's all in there again it's one of those things like you say it and I'm like yes and then I try to understand it and I'm like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's a web yeah yeah but it really there there is something there yeah yeah 
And I had, <laughs> I had the, the experience as well where um, I was the woman who was in the place of betrayal, even though it was never on my heart to be. Um, I was in relationship with men twice who were coming out of marriages. Mm. So the marriage was dissolving and it wasn't an affair, but it was, I was in relationship before they were like officially divorced. And that's just a very uncomfortable place for another woman to be like in, in another woman's space, essentially, mm-hmm. as that space is breaking down. And I was on the receiving end of that at the end of my marriage as well. So it, it is very uncomfortable. Um, but that betrayal, and I would say like that, that is one of the most difficult things about being a woman is like the unresolved nature of those relationships between women and just seeing how I could have handled that differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps me in, it's almost like it, it, keep, it taught me so much, like that, that moment of betrayal, that time taught me so much about how I want to be in relationship to women. And so maybe there was just some like transference of my story inside of your story as I was listening. Um, but that's what arose for me. It was like the, the situational relationship that didn't end well or ended in betrayal is a teacher for then how to interact with that web of women kind of from that point forward. Yeah. You know, I think about then um, a, a couple years after that, um, and there was a woman that I was becoming friends with, who I'm still friends with, and I love very much. And I didn't, there was a man that I didn't know that she was dating, who I was having a crush on. Mm. And, um, and, and I was just kind of flirting. And she came to me at one point, and she was like, look, we're not monogamous. It's, it's fine. It's okay but I can't be your friend if you're going to date him. Yeah. And she, there was a, really wasn't any judgment um, from her about it. She was just like being really clear about where she stood. She was like, I, I'm not, I, maybe I wish I was the woman who could do that, but I'm just not. And so I just wanted to let you know, like what's mm-hmm. going on. And I just remember in that moment, and I think it's really important to say, this isn't like some prescriptive moral thing about how, what, how women should choose. But for me, it was so clear in that moment, like, oh, I would so much rather be your friend than like have sex with that man. Yeah. Partly because it was just really clear. I was like, that's not like the man for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, all, I, I do think that there's something, again, this goes back to the competition piece. And sometimes just where, even if it's not scarcity, there's like urgency, like, oh my God, if I don't like jump into bed with that man, or if I don't, get in relationship with him. If I don't like catch him now, he'll be gone forever. And, and then there'll be no others and I'll be alone forever. It's sort of like this little rodenty part <laughs> of us that like, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think like, even if he was, you know, capital T, capital H, like the, or one, the one, mm-hmm. um, if it can't wait, for me to develop a relationship with another woman, like it's probably not the one. Yeah. Lesson learned. 
Uh, and I, yeah, I just looked back <laughs> and I was like, man, like, I am so glad that I'm still her friend. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, yeah, so important in our culture because yeah. How the hell do we let men get in between women so damn often? It's like, stop, let's stop doing that. Let's stop doing that. It's not a good idea. Like the, the space between women is really a space for women to navigate consciously. And, um, yeah, mm, I love this conversation. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, go ahead. I, I just want to bring this because it, it came up right at the beginning. And, um, I think I just want to acknowledge like how tender that space is. Mm-hmm. And I th- this is partly your original question. Like, how do we end up not trusting each other? Mm-hmm. Some of it I think is because we matter so much to each other. And so those heartbreaks, those betrayals, those little losses of trust, those like they feel much more tender. And I felt it even right at the beginning when you were doing the three breath meditation. And the second breath was to build a bridge between your heart and mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is so tender. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually such an act of vulnerability to go like, okay, yes, actually I will do that right now, like I'll feel my own heart and I will, I will intentionally build a bridge between my heart and yours. And, um, yeah, like even just talking about it, like it feels fluttery and it's like a little baby bird. It's like, Oh my God, our hearts could be connected. Like, Oh, that's just so tender. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I mean, I want to say like, of course it's totally worth it. Like, yes, please let's take that risk. And and just to really acknowledge like the tenderness of that. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking that slow and, and breaking that down for us and for me, because it's my nature to go deep fast. And so sometimes I don't um, realize the vulnerability that I'm asking of someone else. Mm. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm learning yeah, I'm I'm learning to I don't know, just slow down in this tender tender heart so thank you. Yeah, I mean and I I I would say, you know, keep going deep fast. <laughs> right? It's not it's not a call to not do that. Like that was it was a really beautiful way to start. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. I mean I I think for all of us women there's value in both that I, I hear so often, like even in the collective, and I'm so grateful to, to hold a space that can be, you know, what might be considered a safer, a more permission giving space, a space where women do feel safe. But a lot of times, you know, if I hear something like, oh, I don't have this with the women who live near me, or I wish I dot, 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 or all the women that live here, dot, dot, dot. And I'm just like, no, that's never true. Mm-hmm. It's just never true. I don't care where you live. I don't care what your job is. I don't care who goes to your school. There will be people and women who don't want to go deep, who don't want your vulnerability, but they will never, it's never globally all this kind of woman. Right. There are absolutely other mothers at your school who are just like, who want to be just as vulnerable as you. And they're just as scared. They think you have it all together. And they're like, oh, she doesn't want to know about my messy living room. And you're thinking, oh, she doesn't want to know about my messy living room. And you're sitting right next to each other. Right. And, and so the courage, you know, to invite in the way that you did, to invite the vulnerability, to invite the depth, to invite the realness, uh, that's the courage 
again, not as a moral imperative. We don't have to do it all the time, but that is, that is the courage that, that will create the culture of women's relating mm. that we want to live in. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. So I think I have two more questions for you. Awesome. And again, they might be big. So, you know, we'll just take the snippets that arise and <laughs> leave the rest for another day or continued inquiry. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're recording this um, in May and, and we've been quarantined for quite some time. And I'm wondering if you can speak to shifts in women that you have been seeing in the collective, either your group or like the collective collective, you know, Mm. Um, like what is happening in your opinion or, or even to broaden that question a little bit more with the feminine, like with the feminine essence, with the feminine archetype, um, just sort of getting your read on maybe what, what's big at play right now Mm. that's playing out inside of each of us as women. It is interesting because I I think I am seeing this more with women. There's probably some uh, corollary for men or for like the feminine in all of us. But there, and and maybe it's just that the ways, um, actually, I'm not going to go there. I'll just say that I like, I'm, I'm more present to seeing this rise in women right now, Mm -hmm. which is some, um, some version of like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, all right you know, we were kind of going along or I did, maybe I thought I didn't need to say that or address that, or I was going to keep this part kind of quiet or something, but like, you know what, the world's ending. I mean, I'm being dramatic here, but I think this is kind of the feeling like, you know what, it's all, it's all up for grabs. And so like, fuck it. Mm. I'm just going to say what I think. I'm just going to express how I feel. And, um, and you know, in some ways I think it's messy uh, but especially within the, my actual membership, the collective, I'm also seeing a lot of beauty arise. And, and through that, like there's one woman I'm thinking of in particular who's just like, she, she really is like a swan. She's all like grace and, um, and it's totally beautiful. But then on a call recently, she was just like, I'm so angry and she just like had this like ferocious kind of outburst and I was like oh my god this is amazing like this is amazing mm. and isn't there I think it's like Eleanor Roosevelt quote who's like you know you don't know how strong a women are like tea bags you don't know how strong they are until you put them in hot water oh I don't I think know that that's quote, Ele- but I love it I'm not sure <laughs> but I there's some of that right this kind of crucible um, or pressure cooker, or hot water, and and I and I see a a letting loose of certain things. Um, I mean, I don't want to go on a whole tangent, but I mm-hmm. I just feel like I want to drop in here that I, I am seeing more tangibly the ways that we need each other, mm-hmm. and it, not even just men and women, but the way that the that the kind of um, expression of the feminine and the, is what it, there's a need or a call, if you will, for like the sacred expression of masculine structure Mm -hmm. in the midst of sort of so much lack of structure, Mm -hmm. 
or in the need of sort of dominating structures and then the, the busting out of those dominating structures and then the, the actual beautiful sacred masculine structures. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a dance going on there. Beautiful. Well, that leads directly into the second question that I wanted to ask you. The last, potentially the last question that I want to ask you is that how, how does women doing this work, if women choose to do this work of becoming whole, how does that impact the masculine, either the masculine, you know, answer that any way you want to in men, in any bodied human on the planet, how, how is that reclamation of the feminine impactful toward actually bringing forward the sacred masculine? Well, in one sense, I would say that any human's gesture toward wholeness supports any other human's gesture toward wholeness. Mm -hmm. Um, That in that same way where I talk about giving permission and that courage to step into wholeness, that we, we all give each other permission, man, woman, any gender, anybody, masculine, feminine. Um, another layer is that I think there is, you know, again, you sort of spoke to this time, this particular time that when, like, I think there are sort of different calls for those different parts of us and and what is being called for from the feminine and what is being called for from the masculine and that within each of us they actually do call for and awaken those parts so i think it does have a, an awakening like if um this will just say woman right now like a woman really stepping into wholeness or continuing to remember her wholeness continuing to find new ways to express and gesture and reclaim and remember all the parts of wholeness will inherently awaken that, you know, in the masculine around her. Mm -hmm. And, and then in a subtle, I don't know if it's subtle, something about it seems more subtle, but then it's, it's more internal is, you know, part of the wholeness And I'll just speak to women here, although it's absolutely true for all humans, but part of wholeness for women is is the wholeness of like the fullness of our feminine and the fullness of our masculine and the way that those two dance within us. One of the things that I work a lot with women on is um, there's a way that I think culturally just everything that seems dominating and controlling and rigid and like painful about the way that things are done culturally is often, especially within women's bodies, within female bodied people, we tend to go like, Oh, I was in my masculine Mm -hmm. and now I just want to go into my feminine. And what I think that dismisses is the healthy and the sacred masculine. And so there's a way that it's almost like the immature, the self-centered, the unhealthy, the toxic masculine just gets called the masculine for shorthand. Yes. Um, and, the, and that we actually lose part of our wholeness when we're just like, oh, I did everything from my masculine and now I want to do it from my feminine. I'm like, no, you did everything from your like immature masculine <laughs> yeah. and you don't want to do that anymore, but don't discount 
the beauty, the power, the profound like service that you're healthy and your sacred masculine have to offer the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the topic of my TEDx, Kendra. Ah, love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I told that story of like, oh, right. I have to go back and get the masculine too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I just want to pause and ask you if there's anything else that is arising that just really wants to be said um, as we close. Mm. I think the last piece I would like to say as we close, because we didn't really, when I talk about a global web of women devoted to embodied wholeness. I want to say what I, what I mean by devotion in that context. Mm, Thank you. Um, And to me, it, it's, it's like a heartfelt gesture. Like if I, um, it's almost what I would say is the, the feminine form of discipline, right? And the root of discipline is disciple of Mm -hmm. to actually bow oneself down towards, but it's not a, it's not a completion or a rival or a, like a mastering Mm -hmm. that. And so it's almost like what I would like to leave is then this inquiry, especially as women, if we were devoted to our own embodied wholeness. And if we're devoted, not just to our own, but to embodied wholeness as its own, uh, like spirit in the world. And especially like given our conversation today, especially in other women, like what if I was actually devoted to the embodied wholeness of every woman that I came in contact with as that kind of, um, as that kind of prayer or bowing down towards or being a disciple of like, what would it be to, to worship the embodied wholeness of all beings and the way that that ripples out? Thank you so much. I'm taking that contemplation forward. Absolutely. And, um, and considering that as well as this, uh, the web of the grandmothers, you know, the grandmothers mm. would want us to live in that devotion um, to one another. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Would you please tell our listeners where to find you if they want to find you on the web? Yeah. Well, one of the great things about having a name like Kendra Kunoff is that there's not very many of me. <laughs> so you can, you know, if you search me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm really easy to find as Kendra Kunov. And my website is kendrakunov.com. And, um, you know, in there, there's just definitely, there's a lot of blogs and videos and resources to get a sense of who I am. And then absolutely there's areas to go see what it is that I actually do, if that's what people are interested in. Beautiful. I follow you on Instagram and watch your stories all all the time and um, really appreciate your blogs in my inbox and your inspiration. Thank you so much for doing what you do in the world and walking the way that you walk. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. 
Thank you again for listening. It is so wonderful to have you here. Please spread this podcast, share with at least one person who you know would love it or who might need it. And check out KendraKunoff.com and SarahPoet.com for the opportunities to join women's groups and collectives. We will see you again next week. Um, Take good care. Live in your truth. You're doing it. Keep going. So much love. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.